Hey, welcome to the Urban Crofters podcast. We're a church family based in Roth, Cardiff, seeking to connect, create, and transform the community around us, kingdom style. We hope you enjoy. Welcome, Urban Crofters, to this session. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you so much for your good purposes at work in our lives and through us to others. And we pray in our reflection this morning that you may lead us, inspire us, teach us. In Jesus' name. Amen. We've just finished a series uh, of three on thinking about the gift of prophecy. And we're going to move on now to uh, a second series of three, this time looking at healing. I wanted to start with just reminding us of the importance of seeing God's truth being empowered by God's spirit. We want to be people who are embracing the word of God and welcoming the spirit of God together. It's not one or the other. It's very much a combination of the two. This is what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. That's a brilliant combination there, isn't it? Of God's word with God's power. And so this is, provides a, a starting point for us in terms of thinking about the link between prophecy um, and miraculous healing, because they're both signs of God's truth and they're also signs of God's power at work amongst us. And so deeply important, not only for us as a community of believers, but also in terms of our witness to unbelievers, that we want to see the importance of witnessing to both God's truth and God's power being at work amongst us. And let's remember that God's prophetic revelation is absolutely key for unlocking miraculous healing. God has to reveal to us where he wants to be at work miraculously. And um, I'm inspired too by just a very close connection in the New Testament between healing and salvation. We read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds, you have been healed. And those last words you may remember are a quotation from Isaiah. By the wounds of Christ, by the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, you have been healed. There is healing in the atonement. The gospel of salvation is a gospel of healing. It's the same word in New Testament Greek for salvation and healing. The word sozo. And so it's a wonderful legacy of the cross of Christ that we are able to have faith for overcoming all areas of disease and seeing that word as dis-ease in humans, uh, in their bodies and in their souls and uh, between people as well in terms of reconciliation. Jesus gave clear authority to his first followers to heal. And through the Great Commission, that authority has been passed down from one generation of disciples to the next to have the same Christ-given authority to bring healing to people. 
I want to uh, begin with four foundation stones that are important, I believe, in our perspectives about thinking about healing ministry. First of all, God the creator has put in place natural healing mechanisms in our bodies for which we can give immense thanks to God. We think about our immune system. We think about the way that our body is able to bring healing to the cuts that we have on our skin, to bruises under our skin, to fractures of our bones, just as a few examples. Uh, there is a huge capacity within the human body for self-healing. I say self-healing, but what I mean is, of course, healing that God has put in place in our bodies. Then secondly, God can and does heal through medicine and through technology. We can give such thanks to um, both surgeons and physicians for the use of surgery, the use of drug therapies to be able to bring healing to our bodies third foundation stone would be the reality that we all have to die uh, at the end of our lives the death rate is running currently at 100 percent and um, when we die we look forward to the most complete form of healing and restoration that is ever possible so clearly the gateway of death is a gateway into the most wonderful experience of healing. Let's not forget that. Lastly, God desires to bring healing to sick people. The kingdom of God is a sickness-free zone. When the kingdom of God is uh, expressed fully and completely, then we won't see sickness. So these are four really important foundation stones. The natural healing that comes to our bodies through what God has put in place in our bodies, God's healing through medicine and technology, the reality of death being an experience of complete healing, and the kingdom of God being a sickness-free zone. So uh, let's think about that last point in relation to the work of healing, the ministry of healing, and the kingdom of God. I want to just um, run through uh, this perspective about the kingdom of God. First of all, let's think about the kingdom of um, the world on earth. Let's think about, which is a finite and transient kingdom, it's gonna to come to an end. Let's think about the kingdom of heaven, which is eternal, no beginning and no end. And um, let's think about some significant events on this timeline. For those of you listening uh, on Spotify, uh, you won't be able to see this diagram, but it's quite an important way of illustrating uh, these points. First of all, the significance of the birth of Jesus as um, a significant time of heaven impacting earth as the son of God becomes incarnated on earth. Then the cross and resurrection is another huge impartation of the resources of heaven to earth as Jesus comes to overcome through the cross and the resurrection, the enemies of death, the enemies of the devil, the enemy of um, the enemy of the devil, I should say, and the uh, enemy of human depravity, death, devil, and depravity, all overcome through the cross and resurrection of Jesus. And then Pentecost is another wonderful impartation of the resources of heaven, the Holy Spirit released upon the church um, on that day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter two, we can read about that. 
And then um, we can also think about the very significant event of the second advent of Jesus. Jesus promised that he would one day return again to this earth. When he does so, the, uh, the existing earth will come to an end um, and the kingdom of the earth will become the kingdom of uh, heaven. They will be one and the same entity. And so in this period of, of history between Pentecost and the second advent of Jesus, then we are praying for, we're expecting in faith to see heaven impact earth. We're expecting to see heaven invade earth. And when heaven does invade earth, then we will see examples of the Holy Spirit's healing work in our lives. That's what we're doing when we're praying the Lord's Prayer. We're praying for the kingdom of God to become reality on earth as it is in heaven. I think of Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, of a reminder of what the kingdom of God is like. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. The kingdom of heaven in its entirety, in its perfection, is a kingdom that is free from suffering and pain and brokenness and sin and sickness. And so when we're praying for the kingdom of God to become manifest on earth, as it's already complete and perfect in heaven, we're praying for an end to sickness. Your will be done, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. The will of God in heaven is perfect. There's no opposition to it. And so it's a kingdom without sickness or suffering or disease. So that's what we're doing in praying for this prayer in praying this prayer we're praying for healing to overcome disorder and disease that the kingdom of uh, the world will be replaced by the peace the joy the order the wholeness of the kingdom of heaven and so in the light of this prayer and in the light of what we see through scripture we can say that it's god's general will to heal us at every level of our being, including physical healing. Bringing healing is both God's character and God's purpose. And we see this time and time again, and the re revelation of God's character through his names. And I think of the way he revealed his, one of his names in the Old Testament to be Jehovah Rapha. Exodus 15, 26. I am the Lord the one who heals you. So in the light of God revealing his character through that name, we don't have to convince God that healing is a good idea. God is good all the time. His love endures forever. And so out of his goodness, he desires to make us whole. He desires to release us from sickness. I'm also struck by the insight that if we want to know what God is like, what the father is like, then we simply need to take a look at Jesus. Hebrews chapter one, uh, the early verses there says that God is the exact, uh, sorry, Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. If you want to know the heart and the will and the purpose of God, the father, just simply read the four gospels. And what you see in Jesus is a perfect representation of what is true about God the Father. There is no contradiction between what we see in the Father and what we see in Jesus. God, uh, Jesus loved 
to heal people. Let's just remind ourselves of some of these key references. Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to serve him. That evening they brought to Jesus many who were possessed with demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and cured all who were sick. Those are important words. He cured all who were sick, not some, not a few. He cured all of them. Mark's gospel, chapter five, when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized Jesus and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever Jesus went into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak and all who touched it were healed. All who touched it were healed. That's Mark's witness. It's a common theme through the Gospels. Here's Luke's um, treatment of the same theme. Jesus came down. This is Luke chapter 6, verse 17 to 19. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him, and all of them were healed. Really, really important theme. Jesus' desire to bring healing. Now, as we just explore a little bit more of the healing ministry of Jesus, I want us to be reminded about spiritual gifts again. We've spoken about the spiritual gift of prophecy, and in this series, we're going to be speaking about other spiritual gifts that are really important in the ministry of healing. I'd love for us to see the range of spiritual gifts as being a Holy Spirit toolkit. The Holy Spirit wants to give us not just one tool, but many tools. We can't get practical jobs generally done with one tool. It's usually several. And it's the same with the healing ministry as well, <clears throat> that we need to do several gifts. <clears throat> Use several gifts. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I want to just, um, what's really interesting to do is to take some of the the healing accounts in the Gospels, and then to analyze the text and to see which spiritual gifts is Jesus using in this healing ministry that he's bringing. Let's just have a go at one passage, Matthew chapter 9, verses 2 to 8. We read this, and just then some people were carrying a paralyzed man lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Then some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, stand up, take your bed, and go to your home. And he stood up and went to his home. When the crowd saw it, they were filled with awe and they glorified God who had given such authority to human beings. So let's just have a little look at this text in terms of seeing the evidence of four spiritual gifts. So firstly, Jesus uses the gift of discernment, the spiritual gift of being able to see what the spiritual root of something is, whether it's from uh, evil power or is it just from human imagination or is it holy spirit that's at work here um, so we can see the gift of discernment when jesus looks at these people carrying the paralyzed man 
he discerns the expression of faith in them. They're expecting healing. So that's discernment of the Holy Spirit at work. But then do you see also that he perceives their thoughts? Those who are saying that he's blaspheming by what he's saying. Jesus asks them, why do you think evil in your heart? So he's using the spiritual gift of discernment to recognize that what they're thinking comes from the darkness, comes from demonic powers. Then he uses the gift of wisdom, which is the spiritual gift of knowing the best way of speaking the truth in love, the best way of doing the work God wants us to do. There's that miraculous insight that comes in a difficult, tricky situation, and it's a breakthrough revelation of actually how we can proceed out of the difficulty. And we see the gift of wisdom in what Jesus says, which is easier, he says. Your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He's using the gift of wisdom, a very tricky situation, but he knows how to proceed. Then the gift of faith in Jesus and the gift of physical healing are combined together as he says to the paralytic, stand up, take your bed and go to your home. So do you see how he's using at least four spiritual gifts? You could argue for other spiritual gifts being used there, but I want us to see at least four spiritual gifts are being used in that experience. And if that was true for Jesus, how much more is it going to be true for us that we need to use multiple spiritual gifts if we're going to see God working effectively through us? It's interesting, is it not, that the reference to spiritual gifts in relation to healing is plural in 1 Corinthians 12. So both um, in verse 9, verse 28, verse 30, three times Paul references in that chapter healing gifts and every time it's plural the gifts of healing plural not one gift of healing multiple gifts of healing so we can see in this that there's implication that god wants to use different spiritual gifts of healing to bring healing at different levels of our being we are not just physical beings we are emotional relational spiritual beings as well as being physical beings and so God wants to bring healing to every level of our being. I think that's one of the reasons why it's the, the, the plural is used, gifts of healing, healing in areas of our lives. And um, I think there's a wonderful example of that. If you remember the story of the woman who has the, um, the bleeding, um, menstrual bleeding, and uh, she's suffered many, many years, 12 years, I believe, that she suffered. Um, and she's absolutely desperate to receive healing from Jesus. She reaches out and touches his cloak. And then Jesus turns and says, who touched me? And it's a massive crowd. And the disciples are a bit perplexed why Jesus is asking who touched him, because so many people are. But Jesus knows that spiritual power has gone out from him to bring healing to somebody. And he wants, I believe, the reason he specifically addresses the woman is because uh, he knows that she's received physical healing but he wants to bring healing to other levels of her being. And do you remember the words he speaks to her? I believe really significant choice of words he uses. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now, I believe each of those represents a dimension of healing. The fact that he says, daughter, 
expresses relational healing. Don't forget that in Jewish society, the fact that she had menstrual bleeding would mean that she was um, ostracized from uh, relationships with her family and friends because of that bleeding. She would be unclean. So for 12 years, that is incredible isolation. So he speaks to her with that word daughter to say you are in relationship. Daughter is clearly a reference to relationship. Secondly, he says your faith has made you well. That's about spiritual healing because she would felt condemned uh, in her worst moments um, through that 12 years of sickness thinking, God, you're judging me. You're, you've rejected me. And what have I done wrong? So there's spiritual healing that needs to come to correct her thinking in relation to God's goodness and God's love for her. So he says, your faith has made you well. You are spiritually whole. Um, and then he says, go in peace. Peace, of course, remember in, in Jewish culture, shalom means so much more than just the absence of conflict, means life in all its fullness, abundant life. He's bringing emotional healing to her in those words. Go in peace. Be healed in your inner being as well. Be healed in your heart. Leap joy once again in your heart because God has come to you to bring you healing rejoice and then he says be healed of your disease I believe that is an affirmation of physical healing that her bleeding has stopped so it just those few words I believe express the sense of multiple levels of healing that Jesus wants to bring to our bodies and to our hearts spirits and relationships um, another example, I believe, you can see in Acts chapter 3. Do you remember this amazing event where uh, there's the um, crippled man, paralyzed man by the gate, and uh, Peter brings healing to him? Um, Acts chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Peter took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. So again, I think we can see four levels of healing. He's walking, so that's clearly physical healing of, of uh, his disability. He's leaping, that's surely an expression of human joy. So there's emotional healing that's come, inner healing that's come to him. There's praising going on, and that expresses a sense of spiritual healing. And then he enters the temple with the apostles and so that, that i believe you can see is relational healing too he's he's been um very uh, separated i imagine through being an invalid in this way um not being able to walk with others easily and so now he's able to be in companies be able to be in relationship with others so i think again you can see an example of multiple levels of healing that's coming to this healed man now let me just um go on just to look at another story um, of uh, the Gospels, where I think we can see some great principles at work. Um, Mark chapter 8. They came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and he begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had put saliva on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. And Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him away to his home, saying, do not even go into the village. 
So I want to just draw out some um, principles here that are really important, I believe, as we think about how we can be involved in the healing ministry of Jesus. Firstly, the importance of faith. Uh, there's a genuine desire for healing being expressed here. They beg Jesus to come and minister to this man. That's an expression of expectation, isn't it? There has to be a context of faith if we're going to see miraculous healing. Secondly, um, the faith environment is critical. Jesus led him outside the village. I think uh, this is really important in terms of Jesus leading him from an environment where he's known as a blind man to an environment outside the city where there's uh, freedom from that oppressive perspective and there can be an expectation of healing coming to him. The role of specific revelation is very interesting to look at how Jesus heals in different situations. It's not always the same. And I believe Jesus is very much in tune with the Holy Spirit who's whispering to Jesus, this is how you need to minister in this situation. In this situation, it's going to be different. It's going to be like this. So here he puts some saliva on the man's eyes. Uh, he lays on hands. Laying hands on people in prayer ministry is really helpful. I believe it encourages our faith, our expectation. It encourages the faith of the person being prayed for, that, that physical touch sensitively and appropriately. And it communicates our love for them as well. Physical touch communicates love. The place of questions. It's quite okay to ask people who want prayer questions. Jesus says to him, do you see anything when he's prayed? Um, he's finding out how the, how the healing is, is progressing. The repeated prayer is okay. Jesus had to pray a second time in the situation. If Jesus had to pray a second time, how much more do we probably need to pray more than once? And then walking out your healing. He says, don't go into the village. He was known as the blind man in that village. And if he's just received healing and he goes back and then people say, oh, there's the blind man walking, then there's a possibility that he would lose his healing. And that sadly can happen. How do we go out praying for healing? Well, in, the, in uh, just following Jesus' example, we can ask about the condition when somebody comes for prayer. What would you like prayer for? Why um, is this condition true in your life? You know, just finding a bit about it. Um, if it's a painful condition and we're wanting to, uh, to pray that the pain will be reduced, it's good at the beginning to find out what the pain level is. So just give it a number. Just say uh, on a scale of one to ten, what's your pain level? And then we can find out if there's any improvement. Laying on hands is a really important uh, principle, as we've just seen. Try and pray briefly and simply. Don't be really complicated and long. It's not a prayer meeting. It's just um, simply ministering God's healing power to somebody in need. Ask for God's Holy Spirit to come because it's his healing work. It's not our healing work. And then we can pray with authority, trusting in God's power to heal. So remember, Jesus gave authority to his apprentices to be able to minister healing. Um, speak to the condition in the name of Jesus. That might feel a bit odd to start with, but I'm just thinking here how Jesus ministered. He said, eyes be opened, ears be opened. Um, so speaking to the condition with the authority of Jesus, then getting some feedback from the recipient. Um, is there any improvement? Do you feel any different? Uh, ask about the pain level, if that's appropriate. You know, it was a six. You know, it, where is it now? Um, and then decide what are the next steps. If there's been um, significant healing, then maybe that's fine. Uh, if there hasn't, you might want to pray again.
here's some things that I've learned over the years about healing ministry, just some practical tips. Firstly, the importance of using words of knowledge. And so for us uh, and uh, urban crofters, um, particularly when we're in our Sunday gatherings, we might be open for words of knowledge before the service begins, before the gathering happens, of knowing specifically who God wants to touch. Uh, that's another gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, I think it's really good to begin with thanksgiving, uh, thanking God for who he is, his love, his grace, his faithfulness. Let's remember God's name, Yahweh, Rapha, the God who heals us, because that's his character and his purpose. And all, all of that builds faith. Let's remember, too, Jesus' name is the name above every name. You can say that in your praying at the start. Your name is the name above this condition that we're praying for. Um, ask for the gift of discernment to know if there are any spiritual roots that need to be lifted uh, to release healing. I think revelation is key in terms of unlocking healing. Ask for the gift of faith, too, that you're going to expect God to do something in this situation. You're expecting him to come and make a difference. Always be compassionate in how you minister. Be gentle, be sensitive, be loving. Never be harsh or abrupt with people. They want to be, you know, they're being vulnerable with you in terms of coming for prayer. So let's not abuse that uh, by being harsh in any way. Let's be loving and generous and gentle. Um, if, always try and pray in pairs if possible. Uh, hopefully two um, people of, of opposite gender, uh, a man and a woman praying is good, if at all possible. One person can pray, the other person can be listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying, and then you swap roles so that um, you can be as effective as possible. And then always be ready to thank God for whatever he's done. Even if you haven't seen complete healing, if there's been a measure of improvement, give thanks for the the improvement because actually so much more healing can come through an attitude of thanksgiving and in the light of that let's be aware too that healing may be gradual rather than instantaneous when churches claim remarkable results of healing they're including people who are healed one two three four up to like six months or a year after they've been prayed with not that necessarily that relates purely to instantaneous healing if healing comes somebody's prayed for and then healing comes in the the, uh, the next six months or a year then we can see that as an answered prayer, can't we? It's the importance of keeping going despite early discouragements. I think if John Wimber and Todd White, who both said that they prayed for hundreds of people without seeing results, and it was almost as if God was like testing their perseverance. Are you going to keep going with this? Are you going to learn through your experiences? Um, so we need to keep going to a breakthrough point when actually things become easier and more effective. Um, and... Uh, somebody's um, said that if you know if you push against a 50 kilogram rock consistently you'll build the muscle strength to be able to push a 20 kilogram rock um, so that's important and dealing with disappointments with thanksgiving because even if there hasn't been physical healing that has come through our prayer i do believe that there will be emotional healing there will be relational healing there will be spiritual healing that comes so there's different levels of healing that, that may come, and we need to appreciate the different levels of our being that God is working at. Let's not think it's all just about our bodies and physical healing, important though that is. Uh, so uh, let's use every opportunity we can to pray for the sick persistently. Let's journal about what we're learning from these experiences. Um, let's ask for the gift of faith as we embark on this healing ministry, um, and let's commit ourselves to persist despite dis disappointments and discouragements along the way.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the healing purposes of your kingdom. And uh, we pray that we will be obedient in responding to the Great Commission, to uh, know the authority you've given us, to pray for the sick, and to expect them to be healed. And so I pray that you would help all of us to embark on this ministry with faith and expectation, to persist despite any discouragements that come our way, that we will keep pressing forward to learn more and that you will abundantly bless this ministry in the life of your church. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we may want to reflect in preparation for our discussion as we gather on Sunday. Uh, what questions do we have about the healing ministry of Jesus? Questions about the spiritual gifts of healing, plural? Questions about holistic healing at the different levels of our being, physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual? And what questions do we have about healing prayer ministry in the life of the church? Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Urban Crofters podcast. To connect with more of who we are and what we do, visit our website at urbancrofters.co.uk or follow us on socials at urban underscore crofters.